it is wonderful to be with you guys this morning. Um, what an exciting weekend. Honestly, just amazing to see the Lord moving. Um, story after story after story. We have seen eight people come to faith in the last seven days. That is amazing. Some of the, uh, the DTI conference last weekend, some of our kids, some out on the streets. We have, um, uh, so as Ian said, we're a multi-site church. We've got Central uh, and then we've got um, this, the North as well. But we also sometimes go into prisons and do services there. And this morning, a guy in a prison gave, um, gave his life to Jesus as well. So we are seeing salvation. We long to see more. Um, we long to see eight a day, not eight a week. So let's keep praying for that. But God is on the move. Amen. So we are in our Kingdom Carriers series. Last week, uh, Ian talked about proclaiming the kingdom, telling people about the kingdom. Uh, And he said it was the first part of a two-parter, proclaiming and demonstrating. And I am going to pick up the demonstrating side of things. And you know what? I mean, I kind of listening to the notices, I honestly felt like, I didn't know if I even really need to preach. I was like, they kind of summed up my whole preach. Uh, which is it's amazing, isn't it, that you guys are catching this, that you've got it. And so I get the heart of this is not from a place of, oh, man, we as a church don't do this. We need to start doing it. It's like we're doing this. We just want to see it more. We want to be more equipped to do it in every sphere, not just here on a Sunday, but out on the streets every day. So if you've been tracking with us over the last couple of months, hopefully you will have picked up that the kingdom of God is wherever the will of God is done. And that's what we mean when we're talking about the kingdom. And if that is the case, that the kingdom is wherever the will of God is done, then we can demonstrate his kingdom in loads of ways. And we've seen that this weekend. Lots of different projects, all of them demonstrating the kingdom of God. Just to pick up on some general themes of the way that we can demonstrate the kingdom. uh, Caring for the poor. Writing injustice. Looking after the environment. I mean, that that couldn't be more important right now in our current um, world. All of those ways uh, demonstrating the kingdom, creating beautiful art, running godly businesses, all of those things are demonstrating the kingdom and we should do them and we should do them more. But we can't get away from the clear picture in the New Testament that when uh, when we demonstrate the kingdom, that the kingdom can come in power and it comes with signs and wonders. If you've got your Bibles, jump to Matthew 10. We've looked at this passage a few times over um, over the course of the Kingdom Carriers series. So we're in Matthew 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have a bunch of free ones out on uh, the resources and welcome area out there. We would love to give you one today. So if you don't have one, pick one up at the end. Um, please take them. So we're just going to read a few verses. We're going to start in verse 1 and then we're going to jump forward to verse 7 and 8. So it says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. And then jump forward to verse 7. This is after he's sort of listed who they are. He says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Jesus gave authority. And then he said, Tell people about about the kingdom and show people the kingdom. And when he was talking about showing people the kingdom, he was talking about three miraculous signs. Ian, last week, um, I know when he spoke, I think he went through a lot of different verses of when we see this, the two married together of proclamation and demonstration. And if you haven't heard his talk, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to it because it lays some of the groundwork for today. We won't rattle through those verses now, but the reality is the picture that we see in the New Testament is one of signs and wonders accompanying us talking about the kingdom. That we need to tell people the kingdom and we need to show it both and 
If you read through the Gospels and through the book of Acts especially, you'll find that most often the signs and wonders that accompany the message of the kingdom uh, are people being healed and demons being cast out. Now, they're by no means the only things. We also see you know, prophetic words, people speaking in tongues. We, you know, if you read the Gospels, you see nature itself uh, obeying Jesus' commands. So it's not just healing and casting out demons, but those are definitely the most common things that we see. And today, I want us to talk about that idea of healing, especially. That as we step out in, in signs and wonders, as we step out in demonstrating the kingdom, that we would pray for people and see them healed. Now, as I mentioned healing, I know that there will be many of us in the room that struggle with this. There will be a range of responses. Some of us might be really on board with this, but many of us might struggle with this idea. Some of, it, some of us, it might be intellectual. Now, here in the West, we have quite uh, a rationalist mindset, deductive reasoning. We like cold, hard facts. Give me something that I can see and touch, materialism. If I can see it, if I can touch it, then that's, that's the basis of reality. And say, so with that kind of mindset, caring for the poor is a really easy de- a way, sorry, is a, a way of demonstrating the kingdom that is really easy to get behind. There's a tangible need that we can physically see, and then something that we can physically do can, can help that need. And so largely, that is a, a way of demonstrating the kingdom that we're like, yes, we can rally behind, we don't mind telling people about. But then the concept that someone could be ill and we could essentially do nothing more than what seems like say a few words and that illness could go away is quite a hard concept for us to get our heads around. And so that side of demonstrating the kingdom, we, we don't rally behind so much. And, and it doesn't fit so neatly within our, in our minds. That would be some of us. But then there will be those of us who, actually, our problem with healing comes from our experience. So maybe um, we ourselves have been struggling with a long-term illness. Maybe we've even been prayed for a number of times, and healing hasn't come. And we're here, and it's like, oh, great, another talk on healing. Well, I guess it's, this one's just not for me. Maybe it's that we, have, um, that we ourselves aren't struggling, but we have prayed for a loved one. Uh, maybe many loved ones who are ill and suffering, and we haven't seen them healed. And then comes the crushing disappointment. And again, why, Lord, why are they not healed? That was me. I'll be honest, you know, I didn't really have an intellectual problem with the idea that God healed. In my mind, the logic of it was quite kind of simple. It's like, well, if God's God, if he created the universe and if he can hold the stars in his hand, then believing that he could heal, I, that doesn't seem too big a jump for me. But I didn't grow up around healing. So it was this kind of, yeah, sure, it probably happens. But then um, in my first year of university, a family friend was uh, hit by a drunk driver um, on New Year's morning, 2010. And uh, horrific injuries put into a coma. And over the next four months, I went on this journey of being like, okay, Lord, I'm reading scripture. And you say, you know, pray for healing, command healing. If you ask in my name, you'll do it. If you, if you have faith, then you'll do it, and then, then they'll be healed. And so I went on this journey of praying and praying and praying. And every couple of weeks, the prognosis would get worse and something, would, something else would go wrong with her body. And I remember being like, Lord, I understand now why you have waited so long. Because now it can't be the medicine, it's got to be you. And it'll be this wonderful story. And so just praying night after night, day after day. And then four months later, she died, she passed away. And I remember in that moment, 
just the crushing disappointment of Lord, like what, what, what have you done? Why did you not move? Did, like, do you heal today? And in that moment, what what really happened was broken trust with the Lord. I was like, can I really trust you, God? Because for the first time, I feel like I'm praying with faith. For the first time, I feel like I have really interceded for this. And, and you didn't show up. And it, look, if you're here and you're in that place, that disappointment, I do not want it in any way whatsoever minimize your pain. I have been there in the heartbreak and it is devastating. And what I love about our faith is that we have a God who is not scared of our emotions, who is not, not asking us to put on a pretense, but is willing to meet us in our pain. And if that is you here today, then let the God of all grace come and comfort you. We um, talk often about the now and the not yet. And if you don't know that phrase, uh, it, it's that sometimes we, we see the kingdom of God break in now and sometimes we don't see it yet. And it's not yet. We wait for, the, for when Jesus will come and bring his kingdom in all his fullness. And I don't have time to unpack this, but Derek Morphew, um, who came back, I think it was in February as a guest speaker, he laid some amazing foundations for understanding that. So I'd encourage you to go and listen to that if you, um, yeah, if you don't know that. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a mystery. And reality is that healing is a mystery. I don't understand why sometimes we pray for people and they get healed and sometimes we pray for people and they don't. And whilst this can be frustrating that it's a mystery, it's also liberating. Because it means that the kingdom of God doesn't rely on me performing a specific ritual and doing something in the right way. It relies on a sovereign God whose heart is to show us his love, his mercy, his compassion, his justice. And sometimes that's through someone being physically healed and sometimes it's not. I'll be honest, that really confuses me. And often it breaks my heart. Because it's all well and good, you know, the theory of that. But when it's someone you love, when it's yourself, that is heartbreaking. And it's like, God, would you move? Would you break in? And my encouragement, if, if disappointment is defining your season right now and your view of God, I, I, my encouragement would be to pursue his goodness, inquire after his nature, learn his heart towards you, allow his perfect goodness to minister to you in this season, allow the Holy Spirit to be the comforter. In 2010, when my friend passed away, you know, what? I kind of knew about the goodness of God in my head, but I, I hadn't experienced it in the depths of my soul and so it became really hard to trust his nature and really for, for the next couple of years I lived in this distance between me and God because I wasn't real before him and then as his as I encountered his goodness and his kindness it didn't take away the pain of what but it meant that I could trust him and so that would be my encouragement to you pursue his pursue his character pursue his nature and then learn to rest in the mystery John Wimber, he um, is the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He said, uh, it's often said that he had a file in his mind marked unknown that he was planning to ask Jesus to explain when he got to heaven. Uh, and that's the reality, isn't it? Sometimes it's like, Lord, we don't know, we're not going to know. But when we don't know his nature, it becomes really hard to trust him. But when we know his nature, we can rest and go, you know, Lord, I don't know, but I trust that I, I'll, I trust in your goodness and that when I get to see you face to face, you'll be able to explain. 
Don't let your experience dictate what you think about God, but let who God is dictate how you view your experience. I remember, um, so a couple of years after, my friend had passed away, and I was with uh, a real spiritual father to, to me, a guy called David, and it's just such a wonderfully wise man. And I, you know, it just got to this point, and I just began to open up about all this heartache, about, Lord, I don't, you know, the Lord didn't heal my friend, and, you know, all of this, all of this pain started coming out. And I remember what I was expecting was like a real, like, oh, man, I know, that sucks. And, like, big hug. You know, he was this, like, American, like, southern man, just big. You know, I was expecting, like, this big kind of bear hug and, like, hey, I'll cook you some fried chicken and it'll be great. Uh, <laughs> what I got was, okay, go pray for the sick. And I was like, I want fried chicken. <laughs> I don't want to go pray for this. Didn't you just hear God doesn't heal the sick? Like, I prayed and it didn't happen. And he just really gently but really um, really firmly and very simply was just like, it's not up to us what happens, but Jesus commands us to go pray for the sick. This is an obedience issue. It's not up to me what Jesus does, but it's up to me to be obedient to him. The outcome is up to him. So all I can do is what Jesus tells me to. That's, that's, and that's all that we can do in this room. John 14 verse 15 says, uh, Jesus says this to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commands. Now, when he's, when he's saying this, he's not talking about obeying a nasty dictator who wants to manipulate us. This is about obeying a king who knows his instructions lead to the fullness of life. Jesus instructs us to heal the sick. It's what he expects us to do as his followers. So ultimately, even if this is something we struggle with, we should do it. And that, that was my journey. So after that conversation with David, um, and then over the next few months, I began to be like, okay, maybe this is something that I should actually do. It's, I can't get away from it in scripture. Uh, and so was really convicted to do it. I was on my DUI actually with Latty. If you guys don't know Latty, he's the biggest legend. He's amazing. Um, get to know him. Uh, so we were doing DUI together. And I think it was just after Cause to Live For, I think, that year. And we were like, you know what? We've got to start doing this. Um, we've got to start doing for this. And so a couple of times we went out on the streets. We were like, okay, let's start there. Um, we went out on the streets and we, I think we just stood still and looked at people. I was like... Think this counts, right? Should we go? <laughs> and then went went home. Baby steps, baby steps. Um, and so we began. We began that, but we just began praying for um, you know, kind of the, the sick people around us. If we met someone who was ill, no matter what it was, we'd offer to pray for them. And I remember, I think it was maybe about four months later, we were in the office, and another guy on the year had had a cold for two or three weeks. It was one of those like regrace ones, you know, it's like snotty nose, eyes watering, sounding kind of grace. Um, and so we, we said, well, hey, let's, like, let's pray for you. We've prayed for you for the last couple of weeks. I think nothing happened. Let's pray for you again. Prayed for him. Nothing happened. You know, we said, okay, well, let's pray again. Sometimes you press into it. Uh, and we prayed again. Nothing happened. And this went through maybe seven or eight times. And I, I mean, I mean, amazing that he let us pray. And I don't know, we were just sort of ignorantly going for it. And, uh, and but on the seventh or eighth time, suddenly he was healed. 
his cold completely went away. Like his face changed, his voice changed. And I remember like, I remember jumping around the room. Now in the Bible, when you read script, like when you read the scriptures, it's the, the people who get healed that jump around, not normally the people who pray. But I was just like, finally. And say, just started jumping, jumping around the room. I think it was also the, like the American in me, um, just being exuberant. Yeah, oh, it was so good. So, so good. That is confusing though, isn't it? When you have a problem with God and you're like, I don't know if you heal. And then you pray for someone and you see them get healed. You're like, oh, well, maybe you do. Because I I can't really deny that this guy who I knew had a really bad cold and you know was really visible, in an instant, it went away. It was amazing. There are stories uh, within this community, within our church, of people being healed. Um, I, you know, I don't know like many of you, but th- I'm sure there'll be people in this room. I know Rob, he's not, I don't know if he's here this morning. Um, he's, he's got a story of healing of his shoulder. Loads of the guys down at Central have stories of healings. And what I would say to you is, go chat to these people. Find out. Even if, someone, if you hear of someone who's been healed, go, go ask them. Say, hey, like, what happened? Let them tell you that, yeah, you know, I had something wrong for me. Someone prayed for me and, and it's gone away. Now look, as I as I talk about you know the fact that you know pray for someone they got healed that there are stories of healing we can still be cynical though can't we that's natural we're a cynical nation we like to doubt things and really even even people's stories we can just still ignore them we can be like oh yeah well you know maybe it was something else and it's like well my encouragement would be if you're feeling really cynical take it to the Lord. Process it with him. Because let's look at the track. The Gospels are full of stories of people being healed. Jesus healing people and then telling us to go do it. The New Testament is full of stories of people being healed. The early church seeing this. Throughout church history, we've not looked at this today, but throughout church history, there's story upon story upon story of the church seeing people be healed. So throughout the last 2,000 years, people have been healed. There are people in this community who have been healed, people who you can go and chat to and say, what happened? And then importantly, there's no hidden agenda here. No one is saying, hey, you know what, if you just tithe a bit more, then you could get healed. We're not trying to manipulate anything. We're just being like, hey, the, the love and the power of God show up. And sometimes when that happens, people get healed. And it's his mercy. It's his compassion. We just want you to experience it. Those of us who are maybe feeling cynical have a choice. Option one is that we let whatever it is that is stopping us stop us. That we ignore the command of Jesus. And, and we don't do it. That's an option you can, and some of us will have been choosing that option for a while. Option two is that we let ourselves be confused, let ourselves be not sure, but we go for it anyway. I know which one I'd rather be in. And think about it. What would it look like if everyone in our church did this? So we have, between all of our sites and services, I think about 550, 600 adults and about 200 kids. That's quite a lot of people. Imagine if around 800 people in Cardiff and the, the South Wales area started doing this every day. Started praying for the sick people in our workplaces, in our schools, on our streets. Do you think that the kingdom would come? 
do you think that our city would start to change? Do you think we'd start to see more than eight salvations in a week? I reckon so. The goal is, and you know what, I love it, having heard these stories, the story that Mark shared of, of the guys out yesterday. The goal is not that we would get to a point where we're like, yes, it happens in this room and in the rooms with the kids over there. That's not the goal. The goal is that this would be the training ground, that we would learn to do it here and that we would go out and then do it in every sphere that we're in. That's the goal, that the kingdom would come all over this city through us stepping out. Through some, we would see signs and wonders because this stuff is real. It happens. Uh, Pete Spears, um, he's on, on the pastoral team and based at our central site. I think this, this story might have been shared, the Starbucks story, a few weeks ago. Oh, I don't think you've heard it, so let me share it with you guys. So this is a story from, uh, from Pete just a few weeks ago. Um, he said this, I went to meet Chris and Naomi, who got baptized back in December in the Bridgend Bridge oh, outlet. They brought their friend Rachel along with them, who was visiting from Blackpool. Chris and Naomi were sharing how they are struggling with their faith and are isolated from Christian community at the moment and struggling with their health. I prayed and invited the Holy Spirit to come and to minister to them. The Holy Spirit fell. Chris's hands began to burn and sweat to the point that they were wet. I remembered um, a guy called Steve Nicholson teaching about healing and knew Rachel was struggling with some health problems. I got Chris to lay his hands on Rachel and the Holy Spirit began falling on her. She had been struggling with her mental health and we started speaking joy over her. Then we all began laughing. She experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. Jesus was knocking on the door of her heart and we were able to lead her into a new relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit really can come anywhere, even in Starbucks in Bridgend. I'm speechless. Praise God. How cool is that? Just in a Starbucks in Bridgend. That's, good. That's really got to be the Lord. So, that's all well and good. How do we actually go and do it? Now, the, the reality is there isn't a formula. So there's not sort of like two things. It's like, if we do this, then we will always see healing. The Lord doesn't work like that. As we learn to minister, our dependence is on him, not on a specific way of doing it. John Wimber, uh, in, in a book called Power Healing, which I would really recommend you guys read if you'd like to learn more about this. Um, he says this, divine healing is neither automatic nor dependent on our right actions. It is rooted in a relationship with God and the power of his spirit. Divine healing is a gift from God, an act of mercy and grace. Our part is to listen to him and carry out his word. And as he said, it's, it's not dependent on our right actions. And, and the reality is there isn't a set formula or ritual, but when you look at how Jesus did it through the Gospels and how he taught his disciples how to do it, you do see patterns and some helpful guidelines that we can learn from. So we're gonna, I'm just going to look at them really quickly, and then we're going to have a chance to pray for some healing in the room today and, and a chance to pray just for the Holy Spirit to come, and we'll see what happens. So first, a caveat. We'll talk about um, healing I just want to make it so crystal clear that we love medicine. Believe in the power of God and the power of paracetamol. And just want to encourage you, like, if you are ill, seek, like, I'm married to a doctor. Like, we, I, I, it is so important that we get professional help um, on these things. So please don't ever kind of hear from us this thing of like, oh, if you have faith, then you'll just throw your medicines out. It's like, only if your doctor tells you. So um, just a like, quick caveat. 
make sure, yeah, all good, amazing. So the first thing is that we partner with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Early in this series, um, I came and I spoke on authority. Remember the 10 pound note, gave out a 10 pound note. Um, and talked about the fact that God invites us to take part in this journey. He gives us authority that we get to go and spend. So we get to play a role in this. We partner with the Holy Spirit. We do have a role, but it's with the Holy Spirit that we, par- that we partner. So it's his power. It's his authority that we're spending. We do get to spend it, so we have a role to play, but it's all him. So there's never a point where I'll be like, hey, you need me to pray for you because then you'll be healed. No, nothing special about me. If I, if I prayed for someone last week and I think they got worse. Say so like, maybe don't let me pray for you. But the reality is God has given all of us authority. And this means two things. It means that we use our wisdom and discernment because we're invited to play a role. But we also ask the Holy Spirit what he's doing. And we watch and we wait and we listen, all that kind of stuff. Sorry, just on that, what, what that means when we ask the Holy Spirit, that's us, us waiting for prophetic words. So God, are you giving me a sense? Is there a prophetic sense here that actually there's an, a deeper issue that we need to pray about? Or there's a condition, you know, sometimes it might be you get a prophetic sense about um, an injury that needs healing and that's your opening with someone. Like, hey, I, you know, it might be wrong, but maybe God is saying that you've got something wrong with your knee. Could, is that right? Great, let's pray for it. So Jimmy, that, it's that kind of thing. Number two, we pray for the person, not the condition. Wimber used to say this, when I pray for a person's healing, my goal is to leave him or her feeling more loved by God than before we prayed. We have to have compassion for the person. Always, 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 we are praying for that person, not just their condition. It's a holistic ministry. Number three, we listen kind of made reference to this in the first one. But there's two sides of this. So we listen to the person, genuinely listen to them, to their story, to what's going wrong, to, you know, with the healing, what, what is wrong with their body. We, we care for them in that moment by showing them attention. But then we listen to the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, what is going on? Are you doing something in this person? What, what would you like me to pray? A great, a great way of kind of opening is just being like, okay, we're going to pray, Holy Spirit, we come and then we'll wait. And you kind of talk them through that you'll wait for a moment. Because it can be tough. Like when, you're, when someone says, hey, can, I, can you pray for me? You can often feel this pressure where they're expecting me to say something. And so we can then rush out loads of words. And that's, that's okay sometimes. Sometimes we do need to pray things. And, but actually, really what we want to let happen is the Holy Spirit minister to them. And so we can just say to them, you know, we'll pray. I'm just going to begin by inviting the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to wait for a moment and just receive from him. And then you wait. And as they're doing that, just ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do in this moment? What would you like me to pray for? Is there something specific you're highlighting? Then we watch. We look to see if the Holy Spirit is moving on them. Sometimes it can come on in, in physical ways. Sometimes their eyes flutter. Maybe their, um, their hands begin to shake. Deep, heavy, restful breathing. There's a number of different ways. We don't have loads of time to dig into it here. If, if you're not quite sure how to look for the signs of the Holy Spirit on people, Chat to your small group leaders. This is an amazing thing to do in small group, to begin praying for each other and learning how to do it together. Chat to people. Begin to pray for people in the room here 
as we go through it. You'll, you'll begin to see it. And then we speak. If you read through the New Testament, there are different examples of kind of healing prayers. We see commands. Say John 5 would be an example of this. Jesus says, get up, and pick, you, get up pick up your mat and walk. It's, it's a commanding prayer. It's a direct prayer. Acts 3, uh, Peter with the, be- the beggar at the gate, he says, in the name of Jesus, walk. Often when, when we pray, sometimes when we pray for healing, we can be a little bit more like, oh God, you know, if your will would allow it, would you maybe please take this pain away from this person? And you know what, the Lord knows our hearts. But actually the demonstration we see in Scripture is often quite direct of us commanding the pain to go, commanding someone to be made well. It's not always like that. They, in Acts 9, uh, we see more of a declaration. So Peter doesn't even command healing. He just says it's happened. He says to Ananias, Jesus heals you. It's like it just declares it and it happens. In a bit later, I think it's a bit later, a bit before in Acts 9 as well, um, Peter's praying for Tabitha. And, and what we see here is that we, we see he does command her to get up. But before that, he spends, uh, we don't really know how long, but it seems like a significant length of time on his knees before the Lord petitioning him. And so sometimes there is an act of just engaging with the Lord in prayer before getting into it. What I wanted to, what I wanted to say with this part here is that it's not a formula. It's not that I can just say to you, hey, if you say these three words, then they'll be healed. It's, it's not that. It's that we rely on the Holy Spirit. But the, one of the great things is that we learn to be direct. So that we learn to be willing to say, hey, in Jesus' name, we command this pain to go, whatever it may be. Say, so one, one final thought, just as we um, stand up and have a go at this. Can we please have so much grace for each other? This is a training ground, which means it is totally okay to fail and get it wrong, to have an attempt and and mess up. And say, can we just have so much grace that maybe someone's going to come and pray for you and they might do it a bit wrong? They might come and and be... so, So one of the things I'd say is let's always have humility as we do this. So if you feel like you've got a prophetic word for someone, don't come in and be like, thus says the Lord, this is the, you know, it's like, you know what, just be like, hey, I, I could be wrong here. I, I just get a sense that the Lord might be doing this. Does that seem right to you? Okay, cool. Can we pray for that? So we come with humility. But you know what? Sometimes people will come, come to you and be really, you know, maybe a bit aggressive with the word. Let's just have grace for them. They're learning. We're learning too. And so as we do this, let this be a really safe place to try and to fail. So as we do that, let's do it with humility, but let's also do it with a huge amount of grace for each other. So why don't you guys stand?